Yeah, Johnny, are you there? Yes, I cool. am. I have no idea what happened. We, so, folks, we're starting all over again. This, uh, you don't know that because it never recorded the first part of it, but this is the way it goes. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Tint Podcast, where technical difficulties are just part of another day. Um, so, so today, uh, I've got uh, Tim's creator, director, super aquascaping genius and erstwhile tint master johnny Ciotti. your name changed <laughs> i noticed that your description changed on this version than it did from the first one but we're today we're going to talk about all the cool stuff that uh, that johnny's been up to and what we're thinking about for the future and some ideas and philosophies we had some really great stuff laid down that just got deleted into the ether so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna have to start with some new stuff yeah, but it's it's part of the process man it, it's it uh, is. it's all natural it is exactly, and and that and that's something that probably is an overriding theme we're going to hit on today is is this all natural thing. Um, John, if you've been following our Instagram feed, you've been doing a lot of really cool stuff with like mosses and terrestrial type interpretations of scapes, and by you know, a little different. And I'm kind of curious, what was your inspiration for that? All of a sudden, what what made you do that little switch over? Uh, you know, I'm hopefully this sounds um, as eloquent the second time around. <laughs> um, I, I think I think it's a lot of um, uh, you, there's an abundance of time right now uh, on my hands. Uh, uh, that's just different than it was before. It's, it's mm-hmm. not occupied um, by the same things. And I've had more time to reflect um, and and looked at, you know, the, the craft a bit differently. Um and I think what you're seeing is just a bunch of distillation and the reduction of, of elements that are unnecessary and, um, and getting back to nature um, in just a slightly different way. And, you know, a lot of the things that I'm inspired by are, are not necessarily just underwater. It's, it's nature in general. And, you know, I don't like to be pigeonholed by you know, it's, it's gotta be an aquarium. Well, it's just, it's just a glass box. It's a, it's a place to display. It's um, you know, and what I talked about before is it's more real estate and, and we're, we're allowing nature to take over and, and have that place as its own home. We're inviting that thing to our home to do its thing. And it's really us just getting out of the way. And so again, long convoluted answer there, probably not all that concise. No, that was, that was, that was right on. That was right on. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just, um, I'm just trying to enjoy nature, um, you know, a little bit differently. And, and, and that's what we do. I mean, again, we've talked about this a million times here, but what we do is we, I think we truly set the stage for nature when we use botanicals and natural materials, we set the stage and then, you know, we, get the tank looking kind of the way we want. And the idea is to let nature do a lot of the heavy lifting and, and take it where she wants to take it, whether she wants to add the biofilms, the algae, whatever, you know, within reason, a lot of it is expectation. And a lot of it is us trying to adjust our mental state to accept what nature does and say, that's beautiful. Instead of just trying to automatically edit it. I think the, the one of the things that makes me fascinated is that for a hundred years in the aquarium hobby, it's been always about like editing nature. It's been about like, oh, you've got to get rid of algae. Oh, you've got to get siphon out detritus. You got to do all these things. And here we are saying, you know, there's management of an aquarium and then there's what we're doing, which is like decimating the, 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 you know, the, the natural process as we do this. And I, I can't help but wonder if 
so many problems over the years with, with the chorus or because we try to do too much to fight natural processes. Uh, do you agree, disagree, or there's uh, a I, more to it? I agree. I think there's more to it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't view the issue as, as binary. Um, I, I don't True. think it's as simple as black and white. Um, but I do view, and this is why I've also stepped away from you know, the traditional approach with uh, planted aquariums or even nature aquarium style for the most part, although I still find nature aquarium beautiful yes. and, um, you know, I'm, I'm fond of it. Uh, I just don't particularly like to practice it all that much. Um, I, I find the whole process a little desperate. I, I feel huh. like when I look at um, a planted aquarium, all I see is someone clawing at the floorboards. It's just like, dude, you know, can, can we just leave well enough alone? Um, (laughs) I don't really find that, that process all that enjoyable. And I don't think we're alone. I think we've, we've got a lot of people that feel the same way. And, um, you know, everyone that, uh, goes on a hike and doesn't feel the need to, uh, move tree branches uh, along the trail or edit their view there, or, you know, plant some new potted plants, uh, you know, uh, right. in the John wilderness or something, right. You know, every one of those people is a fan of tannin. They are allowing <laughs> nature to sort of do its own thing. And if you feel as though you have to control all of the elements and, um, you know, edit down, um, or, or constantly, uh, manipulate I wouldn't even say edit down. Editing down is probably a better thing to do, but constantly manipulate right. uh, a natural process. Yeah, you, you, you might need something looked at there. Um, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah, you're, we're saying it here first. You might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, the reality is, I think, just what, when people are indoctrinated into the hobby, and this, and this dovetails with a question we receive a lot. Someone just starting out in the hobby, can they start out with a botanical-style aquarium? And... I have mixed feelings. I I get a lump in my throat when people ask me that question because can you? Of course you can. But the the problem with this stuff is if you really accept a a truly botanical style aquarium and natural style aquarium the way I think it should be is you, you have to understand some of the processes that take place. You have to understand what the nitrogen cycle is. You have to understand decomposition. You have to understand what biofilms are, what their role is in the ecology of both the aquarium and the natural habitats that we're trying to emulate, you have to understand pH. You know, if you understand these things, I think you can do it, but I think it's more of an appreciation or do, or do you think I'm putting too many? No, I mean, I, 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 I sort of agree. It, there, that's a really interesting topic that you bring up. And I see this one as more of an issue in Western culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in general, um, people want the thing, but they don't want to understand anything that actually yep. made it what it is. You know, they want, um, they want the nice car, but they don't want to do any maintenance to it. Yep. They want the, the image of being a race car driver, but having never actually put in the hours to learn how to drive the vehicle around a racetrack. Right. Um, people want the food. They want um, tasty, delicious, beautiful food, but have no interest and how it was made, uh, nor the people that made it. You know, it's it's a common issue here. Uh, the same thing happens with with clothing. 
you know, ah, yeah, I want the cool pants. You have no interest in knowing how a shuttle loom works or selvage, right. uh, you know, denim or rope dyeing versus that. I mean, you just, you just don't and, know. And that, they and don't that, care. Right. And that need not be a requirement to entry. I mean, there's plenty of people that have beautiful aquariums that have an aquarium service do it. And they appreciate the tank as much as we do. They're not hobbyists right. per se. They're aficionados of, you know, aquariums or they're lovers of aquariums. I mean, but I think what you're saying is like, when somebody starts in, they have to have a certain understanding that there's things they need to learn. They need to appreciate, they need to experience. I mean, is that kind of what you're getting? Well, I don't think they need to do it. What, what I think is you can absolutely do this style of whatever fits in a glass box. Cause it's not, it's not just aquariums. You can have a, right. anything. You know, right. anything that's in a glass box um, and it doesn't even have to be a glass box. So the philosophy really, really reaches out. Um, I think that the person that wants to try something like this for the first time needs mm -hmm. to just look at themselves and go, am I the person that, that actually cares about all the nuts and bolts and all the other pieces and, and where this came from and why? If so, jump in. Right. Um, if you like the idea of something, but don't actually care to understand it, um, you know, do, do something, do something else, do a different style of aquarium. And that's where I think things get confusing. Um, and I think a lot of the issues that we are, we are addressing now and, and trying to come up with a solution for um, as Tannen mm -hmm. stem from, you know, that type of behavior, people just yeah. not um, really embracing what it is and, and constantly um, fighting it manipulating and, and fighting, you know, the, the natural process. Um, and that's where you've gotten into these clinical displays. Um, yeah. It's because you don't understand it. So you just destroy it. And <laughs> yeah, um, you know, no. I, I've had such a weird, weird philosophy. Like let's put all these things that are living in a box and try to kill most of it. <laughs> yeah, Cause that's a very literal interpretation, but it's true. <laughs> I, that's that's a reef aquarium <laughs> that's right. a modern reef aquarium let's take all the nutrients out let's take everything let's deconstruct nature and just give it what we want colorful right. coral live rock with no algae on it perfect fish i mean it, it's it and and to some extent maybe planted aquariums might be doing that too right you're taking out all it's, the excess it's a model and, home for for, for track housing development is yeah. exactly what it is it's it's yeah. it's plastic apples yeah. you know <laughs> exactly can't eat them but they look good yeah. Yeah. It went in. I have no, no interest in that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're not just to, to cut in because the inevitable comments will some of those say, well, you guys are trashing everything that everybody else says. No, 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 no. We're talking about the mindset. I think more than anything else is that. And, and that goes to the next question I have for you to, to, to chew on, because somebody emailed me this long ago. They said uh, not too long ago, he said, you know, with all the stuff you guys are doing with all these botanical style aquariums and brackish and all this stuff, do you think this is a movement, a hobby movement, or do you think this is just, you know, you guys are just playing with different ideas or, and I'm like thinking, I don't know if you can say it's a hobby movement. I think it's a, a, a mental shift that is, it's, it's a mind shift. Yeah. It, it, it's a mind shift. And, and I don't even want to call it a, a movement That's yeah. really. It, well, I think it's clarity is what it is. We've we've yeah. just kind of gone like, all right, let's take off the rose-colored glasses for a second and actually look at this thing. Um, I think maybe it's just it's just honesty. 
you know, that that's what we're, we're providing right now is, is honesty. Um, you know, and I, I know it's very easy to, uh, to, to feel as though something is being bashed on. Um, right. If you, if you're, if you're not getting it, you know, and it's, it's okay, let's, let's have the discussion. Well, well one of the things that I always thought when, when I started tenant and when you started working with me at tenant, what is we always collectively thought that we're not necessarily taking the hobby and trying to turn it on its end or anything. We're trying to tweak and improve things that maybe may have been overlooked things that may have been forgotten may have been pushed aside. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a nice way to put it, what we do. So the question is whether it's a movement or not is less important than, is it a progression of sorts? And I think. Bingo. Right. And I think what we're doing is we're, we're, we're putting the hobby. We're getting more into how the hobby can go and a way for it to go, you know, and not, not yep. necessarily the only way for it to go. Um, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. It's I, a tough I think question to answer. I, I really think that the, whether it's a movement or not is irrelevant. It, it doesn't matter if it, if it's whatever it is, it is. And we're, yeah. we're, we're well, going. And I, and I thought it's funny. I thought I'd, I'd answer some, some emails as we do this, Johnny, because this is, I'm going to put you on sure. the spot to answer some. And that's why I'm bringing up some of these. And there's another one, Linda, she says, uh, ask, she told me, cause I told people we were going to have you on again and people are excited. They're big Johnny fans. And she said, ah. what Johnny, what is your favorite? This is very uh, practical going from esoteric to the nuts and bolts. What's your favorite aquascaping wood or type of wood? Why? And how do you believe we should be utilizing wood in our aquariums versus the traditional layouts that people do? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, well, Linda, um, wonderful question. Um, I think that the, the answer is going to be probably way more simple than you wanted to hear. Um, but, uh, <laughs> they were I complicated. Think, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, my particular favorite or something that I would lean to would be the one that's appropriate for the occasion. And, and it's that that's kind of it. So I don't, I don't have anything that I particularly gravitate to, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I dress for the event, right. Um, you know, some, some days I'm a sweatpants kind of guy and other days I'm in a, you know, a three piece bespoke suit. So right. Um, right. It, it just depends. Um, I think whatever feels good to you mm-hmm. is the one that should be the favorite. And I don't think that you should um, worry about what anybody else is doing. The other one is with application, mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little more structure there. I think look at nature and what you're going to find in nature is everything's possible. So um, do do whatever feels natural. And if you're looking at something with your eye and you're like, you know, that seems out of place. That doesn't seem natural. It doesn't it doesn't lay right. And there might be a reason, you know, look at um, look at flow in in streams, look at. Uh, sediment, sediment, you know, trails and, and, and patterns, uh, look at the distribution of small light rocks versus large rocks. Look at the distribution of wood and how those, um, pieces of wood getting trapped or tangled. Um, look at how debris or, you know, leaves, leaf litter, um, other botanical materials get, get stuck into those things. Um, so, you know, I would say, Whatever is right at the time and just observe more. And that's probably the answer. 
Okay, that's a that's a good one. That's a, that's a good one because again, it's it's about situational situational awareness more than it is just about a cut and dry answer. And I like that. Um, here's another one from Ray. Hey guys, what do you want to do for your next aquarium and why? Wow, that's a that's a simple one, Ray. Thank you. <laughs> John, you want to take a crack at? It? You want me to go first or you? Second? Yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, that's. I mean, we always you know the next aquarium. Yeah, <laughs> the the next aquarium is is never really ending, and so that's probably where you know where our problems really start is. Um, <laughs> it never ends. Yeah. It, it never ends, and and it's yeah. because they're they're these beautiful experiences. I'm not looking at the aquarium as necessarily like a possession or a thing that I necessarily create. It's right it's it's more of a a slice of something that i'm i'm getting to experience and uh things change from day to day and yeah. uh, i will become inspired by something enough to where um you know i i dive deep into it and and i allow it to go and some of these things occupy their our home space for a long time and some are a week or two and and i'm already over it but uh right. um next the next thing you're going to see from me will likely have significantly less water. Um, I love water, but I'm really into shallow and, and by shallow, I don't mean shallow. Like we're going to do a traditional shallow aquarium. There's six right. or eight inches or 12 inches of water. I'm talking, you know, an inch of water. Uh, yes. And so that, that's, that's kind of the environment that I'm really inspired by right now. Like a, like a wetlands kind of thing or like a. Yeah. Marshland. Yeah. Yeah, so that that stuff is 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 definitely interesting to me. Um, there's some of these shallow creek beds and things along those lines that I've seen. Uh, I'm like, this is interesting, and and I've not seen, you know, uh, the a natural take on it. Well, it's funny we're both sort of headed in similar but yet different directions. Like my next thing, it's something I've been fascinated by for a while, and I I started it on my last one of my last tanks. But I'm fascinated by where the land meets the water not like a polydarium type style, but, but that interface where the mm -hmm. shoreline, where you have roots that grow into the water or were a rivulet that filled with water during the dry, during the wet season. Yeah. I'm fascinated by how roots and um, sediments accumulate. So I think my next tank is going to be something with a lot of roots, a lot of fine roots, a lot of sediment, and just that interesting type of interface. I, think mine will be a little deeper than what you're talking about but i think that's kind of the direction i'm headed the other thing i'm fascinated by and i think you are too but we no one's really played with it i really like the idea of these vernal ponds that fill up part of mm -hmm. the year especially like in like africa and stuff where there's a lot, mainly mud and leaves and maybe a few hardy plants that fill up i guess it's that urban agapo kind of mindset that i have but i'm fascinated by these temporal environments those are those are interesting to me too um i don't know how I would approach that yet. That's something I have to think about, but that's something that's been on my mind a lot. Do you have another idea that Johnny that's been on your mind? No, I mean, I do. I do. I'm not, I, I, it, they, they do. They, um, I used to plan out my aquariums a right. lot more. Um, and, and now the planning is almost never in the design. It's typically in sourcing the materials, yeah. making sure I have appropriate fish and, and things along those lines, I might pick a batch of, of stones or a batch of wood, mm -hmm. uh, but not too critically. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. This is what I got. And then that's what I do. And, um, 
I'm, you know, I'm not really uh, making sure it's the exact right piece. And this is the thing that I needed to make this impression. Um, I, I'm not doing that really anymore. And so yeah. the design or the layout isn't happening until I'm actually starting to place things into the tank. That's uh, cool. It's less no. contrived <laughs> in a way. You're not trying to like achieve a certain thing. You're just going, okay, what do I have? I'm going to put it together as I go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then that's, that's a fun thing. It's more like just throwing ingredients into a bowl and stirring it around. You're like, oh, all right, cool. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I always, I mean, I don't necessarily find a problem with it, but I, I find it interesting that a lot of aquascaper competitive aquascapers guys that enter these concerts, they always have a drawing, which is cool, but it, to me that, that kills some of the spontaneity. I mean, like I remember, do you remember Johnny, this is 10, 12 years ago. I remember reef stock in 2010 in Denver. There's a, a reef aquarium contest with Johnny and I, I had the misfortune of being paired against Johnny in an aquascaping <laughs> contest, which is like, it will never, I'll never forget that. And like my favorite picture of all time, a friend of mine took is of Johnny picking up a piece of live rock and just staring at it in front of the tank. He's on his knee and he's staring at it. I think I put it in the blog before I'll, I'll share it again. Cause it's such an all awesome, right. it's, that's my, that's my most inspiring picture in aquascaping, by the way, you weren't sitting there planning what you were going to do. You're just like looking at this rock and going, how could I work this? There's something very interesting in that type of a philosophy, you know, looking at the rock. Some of the great guys, I mean, I see Vicenskis do that. Uh, I see, you know, George Farmer, I see him do that. A lot of these guys will pick it up and just look at it. And I think that's really fascinating to me. Some people, some people are truly looking at it like Vicenskis or like George. They're really getting an impression from, from the stone or the piece of wood and and they're observing, imagining, moving, making subtle tweaks, all, all sort of at the same time. And, and they're, they're just kind of in that state um, or they are allowing themselves to be a part of the expression, like mm -hmm. nature's expression. Mm -hmm. And some people pose, some people literally grab stuff and just look at it and they're trying to stare intensely and um, it, it's, it's all for the gram. So yeah. There's, there's definitely, um, there's something that's happening there. Uh, it's hard to explain what's, what's going on and I'm not going to try to get all super deep and philosophical. Right. On. right. Um, the reality is like, you know, I'll take the credit for, for, for winning a, a contest. My ass, well, the, yeah. the reality is though, I didn't win. I just got more out of the way than you did. Yes. Yes. I was trying too hard. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Which, the the rock one, nature, nature, you know, <laughs> nature one with a little help from Johnny. Yeah. So but you know, that's that's like my first and last attempt at a contest type format. Again, I just I realized that's not what I want to do. I want to do like what what we talked about, soulscaping. You know, just like I, I have an idea I want to play with, and it comes to me. That's a really valuable lesson you taught me: is not overthinking stuff. And I think we overthink shit way too much in the hobby. I could be wrong. Maybe that's a personal opinion, but I think we overthink a lot of stuff to our own detriment. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think we, we might overthink things or maybe just overcomplicate things. Um, you know, contest tanks are very different. You're, yeah. you are working to a perspective or focal length of your camera. You're making sure that everything is placed for winning and it's, it's all based on results. Um, you know, you're in a competition and it, it's very different from the runner that goes out to run. 
um, to get the, the runners high and, and right. just experience wherever they're at um, than somebody that's training to beat their competitor. You know, it's like yeah. you, you may have started at some point in time just enjoying, enjoying running, but I think many people don't get into that sport because they, they necessarily enjoy running. It might just be they enjoy beating people. And so, right, right, right. Uh, you know, it, it just it just depends. It depends on the the natural disposition of the individual, and you know. So yeah, good good for the people that do contest tanks. Right. I'm not particularly interested in them. My uh, bag, baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. here's another here's another one from the old uh, email bag. Um, are you liking this? I'm hitting you with emails. Yeah, no, these are these are today. Cool. I was I was, I was sandbagging on you. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give you some questions from the email because people want to see this. It's cool. Hey guys, this is from Miriam. She says, "Hey guys, love the tanks you do. Super inspiring." Question for you though: What would you do for a beta, not necessarily a wild beta, that would be different than the traditional beta setup, i.e., a bowl or just a bowl with some plants and some gravel? Ha ha ha. Hope to hear from you soon. Okay, so you're hearing, <laughs> you're hearing from us, Miriam. Johnny, what would you do? What would you do different? You know, I, that's an interesting one. Um, I'd go two different ways. a lot ways. of beta questions, by the way. You're, you're talking, uh, you like beta, you know, like pet beta, beta splendids. Yeah, yeah you not, know? A, not a... Not a wild beta. Embellus or a... Pugnax or, or something, yeah. No, okay, so... The way I feel about those betas is a little bit differently, and I am sure to be flamed by the beta crowd on this one. And I'll let, and I'll let you know if that happens. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, br- bring it. Um, yeah. I, I, I adore the fish. I think they're great. I think that one thing first is, you, you know, you need to make sure that the, the fish is properly cared for. Um, those fish at this point, in my own personal opinion, um, yeah, maybe deep, 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 deep somewhere within that fish, they understand where they came from naturally. Um, but those fish have been line bred so hard for so long yeah. that I think any environment that even closely resembles nature is totally foreign to them. Um, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, That's an interesting answer. Yeah. So for me, I, you know, do, do a couple of different things. Either give the beta an opportunity to live in something that's supernatural. I mean, like as authentic as authentic could be from any environment that that fish likely would have come from rice patty or whatever. Right. And give them, give them the opportunity. I I think that would be a really nice thing. The other one on the flip side of this coin, I would just go just all the way the opposite direction. You know, maybe, um, maybe, maybe beta is, is, is living in, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, a a crystal vase and, and there's art deco materials in it. And, um, you know, it, it is what it's, it's, maybe it lives in Waterford crystal. I I have no idea. (laughs) Um, but that's where I would go because there's, there's something really interesting about those betas and, and they're beautiful on their own, but they're very constructed and, it's not, it's a very forced thing. And so as much as I appreciate them um, for what they are, they're not they're That's not like my cup of tea. Uh, right. Same way as I, I don't like rose shows. Like I'm, I'm not into it. Like I don't like right. 
these cultivators. Like yeah, it's yeah. just it's, it's just not my thing. So yeah, I'll go either way. Be nice to the beta and give it an opportunity to enjoy what it never had, or um, <laughs> or just just go the Waterford Crystal route and um, you know yeah. marble all that beautiful. stuff. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well I'm going to give you another one similar to this. This is a from Bryce and Bryce says, Hey guys, love your inspiration. Scott, love the article not long ago where you wrote about taking common fishes and giving them an uncommon habitat. So this kind of plays off what we've been talking about. What fish would you like to see that's common in the hobby given a biotope style aquarium? That's, a, that's kind of a, a broad question in two part, but I think, I think what Bryce is getting at is like, like, would, what, what would you see like a, a neon tetra, for example? Would you want to put a neon tetra in a biotope aquarium? What, what would be your fish that if you really wanted to go? And I, I use the term biotope loosely, as you know, we, we're sure. biotope inspired. We're, we don't like this whole biotope thing. But um, what what fish would you want to put in a more natural setting, I guess, is the, the gist of Bryce's question. Well, I, I found his question kind of interesting. I, I, he, he hit on something there that um, it at the end of end of his question, it was uh, in something that's like less commonly seen. Can you read the end of his question again? Uh, what fish would you put in an environment that is more akin to its natural habitat, less commonly seen? Less so, commonly seen. So yeah. this, is, this is the part I, that I think is really interesting is most fish are put in environments totally unrealistic. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, a neon tetra never going to be found in anything that ever remotely looks like one single nature aquarium that's graced the pages of Aqua Journal. In a, <laughs> in a billion years, there's not a single environment that even looks kind of like that ever. Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't. Um, you know, most of the plant species that people are planting don't even come from those areas. So it just I, put it in anything. Um, yeah, so I. All fish are beautiful, really, in their own right. What what common fish that's uh, you know commonly misinterpreted? And um, gosh, man, I any of them? <laughs> I could tell you mine. I'll tell you mine. Want me to tell you mine? You Go. Think on yours a little bit. Yeah. Here's mine. Like I, I did for some reason. I, one of my favorite fish that I had when I was a kid was growing up. I love this fish more than anything was a zebra danio it's still to this day great fish about that fish i love that fish but when i read i did a little research a deep dive and i'm not talking about like aquarium hobby literature i tried to go like to like you know google scholar and look at some of these things on their environment stuff they're found in a bunch of different habitats not only they're found in like rivers you know we think fast flowing streams or in creeks and stuff they're also found in rice paddies much like we interpret betas and guarmies mm -hmm. they're found in sort of turbid water and also they're found in sort of a, a, a very clear water so i'm i'm fascinated by that that idea of putting them in that type of a uh, a habitat because i think we've traditionally kept them in the fast moving tank with you know maybe a lot of flow maybe a power head or, you know a lot of filter sure. returns crystal clear water uh clean sand i think it'd be fascinating to you know, emulate them in the low water environment phases when they migrate into rice paddies and stuff like that. Cause that, that the environment I find fascinating. And I don't think anybody's really played with that. Um, although I know a couple of guys, that guy shrimpery. Um, I don't know his real name, by the way. Yeah. He plays with shallow uh, Chris, tanks. Chris, he plays with shallow tanks. No, wait. On, yeah, it's Chris on Instagram. His name is shrimpery. So that's a, that's a yeah. good, 
good name. He plays with that um, and, and plays with like rice and, and, and lots of little semi-aquatic plants. And that's an interesting, but no, but he's not going after a bias. He's just going after a look that he likes. But I don't think anybody's ever tried to replicate to some extent the function and form of that kind of turbid habitat. I think that's fascinating to me. Something non-standard. That's my fish. That I, would put I think that, that that one is great. Um, it's cool. You know, and I, you know, I, again, I, I still, I guess I would be un, undecided because just about any fish that you see is typically misrepresented mm-hmm. um, and isn't, isn't really given in something that would look like where it comes from. Um, but fish that I think would be really cool or I might want to do sooner rather than later are some of like the cloud minnows, you know, like uh, uh, little, little, you know, mountain minnows and things like right. that. Um, that's just interesting because I've never really done it. And I feel like it would be a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for no real particular reason, I, I just think it's an interesting fish. Um, and I know they don't come from planted tank environments. And right. so it, it's, uh, that's one that would be really interesting for me to dabble with. Um, betas some of the betas i you know again those aren't a common fish though uh i'd like to work with some more of the less less common betas and put them in their proper environment so i don't think that's answering the question directly well yeah it is i mean to a certain extent um yeah but very very common fish which i already played with a little bit um the like the microgeophagus like uh Ooh. the rams yeah that's a great one to actually put in its real habitat. Yeah. Um, I think that that would be a fun fish to work with again. And I plan on doing that at some point in time. Um, they occupy a very interesting, very interesting section of water. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it changes dramatically through the seasons. Um, and, and, you know, they also come from areas that have really warm water and, and that plays a, a, a large impact on, a lot of what's happening in that environment. So I think that that would be a really fun one. Um, they certainly yeah. don't come from anything that looks again, like their typical setting when you Google, you know, right. Perfect plants. plants. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. you know, so I, I think that would be a lot of fun as well. Okay. Good, good one. I'm going to keep hitting you with mail. Here's another one. Sure. And you like, you enjoy these. Hey guys, love what you're doing. Thanks so much for the inspiration. I love when, when people say that, cause I'm glad we're hitting them with inspiration, which is good. Um, Here's, this is from Rad, Radlek, uh, and Radlek says, uh, what should we do differently to create more natural-looking tanks? Okay, that's a, that's a broad question, Radlek, but I, I, I kind of think I know what he's trying to say. Is there something that we do? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with your question and maybe clean it up a little bit in terms of what, how we want to answer it. <laughs> and if it's not the right answer, you let me, <laughs> you let me know. But that's what happens when you, when you write into me, you're going to get an, an answer based on what I want to answer. No. Um, but, but I think what he's trying to say is, I'm going to hope what he's trying to say is, you know, we, we always try to make our tanks sort of natural for our fish and we try to accommodate it. But I think what he's saying is, what would you do that makes it maybe look more natural in terms of like, how, what, what are the things we can do to, to aquascape or, set up an aquarium to make it look more natural he specifically said look so i'm thinking that's what he's thinking now that's a broad question but do you have one or two thoughts on that absolutely hit me um observe nature more there it is that's that's it so 
uh, look at nature more, go experience nature more, observe how things work. And I think this, this kind of, you know, piggybacks onto a question, a couple of, uh, or an answer, a couple of questions ago, um, look at how things are put together from water flow and currents, look at natural erosion, look at, um, the things that make the system that uh, the natural system that we're trying to, to replicate or give space to, um, you know, look at those things and apply those things uh, or give, give the, uh, the proper materials, the space to work themselves out. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that. This is a, but that's a great, great question. Yeah. This is a really good question because you can answer it in so many different ways. It's not just, you know, when you're talking about the look, I think you, you hit it perfectly. The look depends on what you're looking at. But I think we, uh, one of the things, if, if nothing else you get from coming to Tannen, again, sounding a bit commercial here, but if nothing you get from coming to our site to using our products is that nature offers all kinds of different materials and it's how we put them together and, and, and in context, like, like Johnny said, look at nature more, think about why these things accumulate the way they do. Think about why why these tangles of roots are there. They're there because they're the edge of a forest that gets flooded periodically. Why does driftwood accumulate? What happens in pockets of driftwood that accumulate? What happens? What what accumulates there? Sand, leaves, muck, you know, what and what fish live there and why? And most of the time you'll find that fishes it's fairly safe to say and we've written about this and talked about this before fishes tend to follow the food the reason why the flooded forests are so interesting to me is because they're seasonal they're a forest floor a dry forest floor so if you sit there and you go what happens on a forest floor in the dry season well twigs leaves branches seed pods all that stuff falls to the floor uh, everybody that's went hiking knows this what happens if you suddenly pour water on that well then you get this environment where all that stuff's underwater and what happens when it's underwater fishes well, that flood come in from flooded um, stream beds they swim into these areas and they're like oh there's food there's places to spawn there's all that life so i think that's another way of looking at it too is how do we utilize the life in the tank as part of the as part of the environment in other words the biosha the microorganisms that live there the fungal growth the bacteria all these things that fuel the 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 you know the ecosystem you think? Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think the very, very last part, um, you know, adding into that. So one is observation, then there is application. And I think the last one is time. Mm -hmm. The patina, the patina is what something or sometimes gives something its authenticity. Um, Agreed. You know, they're, they're, whether it's a pair of worn leather work gloves <laughs> um, you know, or, or a hammer with, with, with markings on it, um, you know, from, from hitting nail after nail after nail, uh, you know, it's, it's the same thing with, uh, the, the, the roughness on the edge of your wedding band. I mean, it's just right. little things that you appreciate about, uh, nature or even things that are unnatural is when nature takes their toll on them. And so the thing that's going to really make it look authentic is, is time and where. Yeah. Context. Context. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Great question. Yeah. This great is a great question. question. These are, I tell you, our uh, readers asked some really fantastic questions and guys, you know, email them to me, 10 aquatics at gmail.com, or you can post them on whatever 
blog that you're reading and I'll pick them up and scoop them up. And we're, Johnny and I are going to answer more of these questions from time to time because it's kind of fun for us. Uh, and I think we're getting some good insights. Here's another one. This is from Will. Uh, again, I'm going to read the platitudes because I love it. Hey, guys, love what you're doing. You're my favorite aquatics company. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, cool. I know you've talked about this before, but I personally don't like seeing sterile tanks. What is your opinions of allowing detritus and decomposing leaves and such to gather? Is there a danger to it? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me start, and then Johnny, you're gonna you're gonna clean up. Sure. On First of all, we're the same way as we just talked about. Um, nature is beautiful in lots of different ways that we don't expect. Detritus. My position on this is well known. I've written about this many times. I've talked about it in my my speak, you know, my talks and at clubs. But I'll, I'll say it one more time. Detritus is essentially food as far as i'm concerned it's somebody eats it it's the end product of some of the the the, the decomposition process it's a, it's a product of natural uh, biological processes it's utilized as fuel by someone somewhere in the in the ecosystem i don't think that it's a problem what we have tended to confuse in my opinion in the hobby is detritus meaning uneaten food and fish poop that's accumulating in excess you know right and that right and i think we've vilified everything that's you know detritus everything that's bits and pieces of things um and we we automatically many of us have made that assumption that whenever anything's accumulating in the tank on the substrate on the rocks whatever it's bad and it needs to come out and i think we have to look at it in terms of a more holistic approach um at that it's actually a fuel for the ecosystem so i like it i also think it looks interesting in context now Sure, I understand there's a lot of cases where it's not going to look right for some people. They just can't handle it. If you have one of these, you know, nature aquariums and there's detritus all over, people are just going to say that just looks weird. But in one of our tanks where there's already decomposing leaves and it's got that earthy looking water and stuff, it makes sense. So I say it's monitor your water chemistry, obviously. This is not a having detritus and stuff in your tank is not a reason to abandon husbandry. It's not a reason sure. to get sloppy and oh, I'm not going to change my water or not fix my you know filter when it's not working right. But it's a reason to, to, to learn more, to understand somebody's eating this stuff. It's fueling something. Why is it? What does nature look like? What does nature do with detritus? And, you know, um, Johnny, you want to take over on that one? I mean, I think you I think you nailed it um, again. You know, and, and this is this is just a part of the theme, I guess, is um you know, whatever you are replicating or whatever you are giving space to um, observe those natural environments. And so like I, I'm looking now, I've, you know, many aquariums in, in our home, but uh, I, I'm looking at two different ones. Uh, one, lots of leaf litter, um, twigs, branches, uh, very little rock, um, decomposing materials and, and detritus and it's appropriate. Now I have another aquarium, um, Minimal uh, with the wood in the actual aquarium itself. A uh, lot of sand and and bits of pieces of stone and, and pebbles and, um, you know, decomposing granite and things along those lines. And um, there are some, some harder, heavier botanicals, but this aquarium has faster flow in it. Mm -hmm. uh, it has faster flow, not just because the fish appreciate the faster flow, but because that's the environment that I was creating. And detritus doesn't accumulate in fast flow. So in that tank, I siphon out whatever detritus does build up in the corners or behind a rock or something. Um, because the reality is it looks inappropriate um, and, and out of place. Right. It, it, it's, it's lacking authenticity. So um, 
that tank, I remove the stuff. Uh, that's also the reason why there's not really much leaf litter in that tank is because in its real natural environment, yeah. leaves would have blown downstream. Right. Um, so, you know, it just doesn't have a lot of that. Now the water might have a, a, a tint to it, um, which actually might be a, a, well, we'll, we'll segue to that later, but you know, you can add a tint to your aquarium uh, without using, you know, botanicals yep. uh, per se. And you can also do it without having to use, uh, you know, uh, like a black water extract. Yep. And we have, uh, and we have so, a question coming up about that, which is so perfect. I'm going to tee that sure. up so perfectly. Yeah. But uh, great, great question. And I think Scott, you, you already nailed it. Thank you. I've got one more and then we're going to get to that cool question that will transition into probably the next part of our uh, little podcast here. Um, hey, Johnny and Scott, I see you do a lot of planted aquariums that are black water. What light do you recommend and how much wattage? Ooh, I'm going to let you handle that one because you're more of a planted guy than I am and you're more knowledgeable in lighting. What are you, what are you thinking? Sure. Um, I can tell you what well, I use, but you know why. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll answer a few misconceptions, I think, first. Cool. One, um, most plants don't require anywhere near the amount of light that people give them. On the flip side of that, there are a few plants that people don't light anywhere near as much as they require. <laughs> so um, the, the amount of light, and I'm going to just throw wattage out the window because it right. doesn't, wattage used to play a, a bigger role in choosing a light back when we only had a few sources of lighting. Uh, when we were talking fluorescent tubes, you know, T8, T12, et cetera, um, the Luxor lumens and output were all kind of the same. Then we learned about PAR, photosynthetically active radiation, and uh, the output of new types of lights like LED or even T5, moving away from halides or HMI, um, are so much more efficient that a three watt LED might produce as much light as, you know, uh, a 24 watts, uh, uh, you know, Osram tube from, you know, yesteryear. Right, from the 80s. So yeah. And it, it just depends. Um, and so there are some, some great light fixtures on the markets. Um, most of them fail in their application. They're, they're not made for uh, a home environment um, and, and they're not very aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go with something that's going to be, hey, I need something that's going to go on my aquarium and it has to be an aquarium fixture light. I can't hang it from the ceiling, et cetera. Um, ADA makes some wonderful, wonderful fixtures. Um, mm -hmm. Granted, you're going to have to have an appropriately sized probably an ADA or an Ulta Nature Systems Aquarium because it's the only thing it's going to fit on. Um, so if that's not an option, there are, uh, you know, a few other light fixtures out there that could be appropriate for something like that. You're going to want to add a dimmer to them. Um, you could go with aqua illumination if you wanted to hang, yeah. if you wanted to place it on it. You that's could go one. with, um, you know, uh, trying to think what would be a twin star could be yep. uh, an acceptable one as well. You're probably going to want to dim it. Um, you absolutely want to dim that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to want to dim it. Um, I use a twin star. Um, ONF, 
you know, ONF makes a, a great sort of fixture that can be hung. Their little nano light is is one of the better nano lights out there. And it's controllable too, which is cool. Very controllable, uh, pretty sleek. I think there's still some limitations with the form factor, but I think yeah. they did a pretty good job. Um, most of the lights that I use though are light fixtures that you can buy, you know, from a furniture store. Yep. So, you know, I use floor lamps, a higher power, like 12 watt led floor lamp for a, uh, a mildly lit black water aquarium, um, or, or planted aquarium or something that has most of the growth, um, being, you know, out of the water is marginal plants, uh, or is more of a terrestrial growth. Um, that that's where I will go to. So it, it depends again on budget. That's, that's a big determining factor here. If you can spend hundreds and hundreds, I mean, many hundreds of dollars into the thousands of dollars, I would buy a designer light fixture, um, you know, for, for your home and yeah. hang that over the top of an aquarium. But then again, it really depends. So um, I don't have a favorite recommendation for any of those things because I think most stuff just misses the mark. Um, hopefully that'll change. Uh, you know, I know we've thought about a few different things and how to address that. Yep. Yeah, we have. But, uh, hopefully my answer helps. I think it, uh, maybe. <laughs> I, think, no, I, think, I think it has because, you know, you touched on one thing that was, I think a lot of people don't think about nowadays, particularly with LEDs. Well, there's two things. A lot of LEDs as aquarium fixtures marketed for, most hobbyists are not as controllable as they should be. I, I personally think having used a few, some of them are, and they're very nice, but many of them aren't. And also I think some of them are over, I don't want to say over-engineered, but they're just, they're too much for what we're trying to do. Maybe there's too many choices and it could bewilders people. Um, some of the best lighting you've ever turned me on to were those, uh, those floor, those relatively inexpensive floor lamps, those led floor lamps. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the brand was, it had a dumb name. It was like Jolly joy or something like that. So yep. those ones from Amazon is like a $60 lamp. I love that little light for a black water aquarium with, without plants. It did fine for ones with plants. I grew my mangroves with those for a long time. No problem. Granted they got some ambient light from a window, but it works. Um, so I think any, any, if anything you take away from Johnny's answer, it's that it's situation specific and that you shouldn't limit yourself to just thinking you need one particular thing. Right. I mean, is that kind of the big takeaway? Yeah. Um, I, th I think that that is the big takeaway. Um, don't limit yourself to aquarium lights. Um, maybe, maybe dive into and learn a little bit more about light output, quality of lights, um, the, the shape of the light coming from the fixture. Yeah how it's cast, the color, et cetera. And, and just pick something that's appropriate uh, for you to look at and, yeah. um, and go from there. Okay, cool. Well, I think this is the last question of the day and it's a doozy. This is, uh, this is from Bernadette. She gets the credit for the question of the day. Hey guys, love your products. What do you recommend for an aquarium where I like the tint, but I don't like the idea of lots of decomposing botanicals and stuff? Is there a pod that you think would work or something else? Well, Bernadette, this is your lucky day. <laughs> we are uh, about to introduce a product that we've talked about before called Shade. Um, and uh, Johnny and I kind of plotted this together uh, for, for a while now. Um, Shade is a 
we're calling it a sachet, not a tea bag. It's a, it's a, it's a sachet of carefully selected, and I say that with all honesty, carefully selected botanical materials, not just a bunch of catapa leaves, designed to produce the specific color effects that we like so much without all the mess. It's a different form factor. Yep. And um, Johnny, you want to you describe the product a little more? You've, you've had the chance to experiment with it. What, what's your thinking on that? I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the product. So uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it solves a lot of, a lot of issues. Um, you know, I think without getting into the nitty gritty on, on every specific detail within the product, because we can spend a lot of time there. And we um, will later, it, but not, yeah, not in this one. Yeah. And the, 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 the benefits of application, um, are really right up the alley of, of, you know, the person that just asked this question. So um, the sachet again, with its, you know, carefully selected botanical materials um, it's going to allow more of a, like a cold extraction and uh, impart tannic substances or tannic acid and humic substances into the aquarium in a way that's very, very natural, um, very convenient and also leaves uh, no mess. And um, so that makes it a very exciting and compelling product. Um, you know, I've, I've been using this product now for a good while. Quite a while, yeah. And quite a while. We've been testing it, making sure that, you know, it's, it's going to do what it's supposed to do um, with consistency and ease. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very reliable. Um, it's not your standard issue rooibos tea right. it's it's not a tea bag um you don't have to boil this thing and then pour it into the water to get the effect um this is uh this is a product that's going to actually help the environment it's going to give you a more natural solution than some of the other ones that are out there for getting the the color but also the benefits the benefits to the fish um, i mean there, there's a ton there because because one of the reasons why i like this better than like rooibos, which a lot of people ask about, a lot of people use. I've tried it. It tastes good. Uh, I've, I've tried it in aquariums. It gives a good color. But think about what this is made of. Our product is made not just, you know, not just a bunch of catapulas. It's made from botanical materials ground to a specific size. The same botanical materials that we use in their natural form. It's basically another, if you will, to borrow from the manufacturing jargon, it's another form factor for the thing that we use every day. And yep. so you're getting the same benefits that we all know that we get from our botanicals and all of those, all of the benefits aren't even entirely known, but many of them are, but it's the same benefits that we get from those, but in a different, more convenient form factor. And I, as we know, people say, well, Scott, you're coming up with this thing. You've, you're always the one that says you hate shortcuts and hacks and so forth. And I felt, and I still continue to feel that when you try to circumvent natural processes to, or to arrive at some kind of destination faster is always an invitation to disaster. And I agree now, but I'm also saying that the botanical style approach shouldn't be this like drudgery. It shouldn't be this thing that you have to like <laughs> do. Everything's hard. And I, I, I really don't like detritus in my tank. I really don't like this stuff in my tank. I like the color. I get it. So, you know, this is better to me than using a black water extract because, um, Again, uh, in addition, you know, in addition to the tannins and humic substances that you get when you just, you know, boil, like when you boil your botanicals, you pour it off the water, you're getting dirt and things that are bound up in the, in the botanicals. 
these materials have actually been washed for us ahead of time. They've been cleaned before they're ground up and dry, they're dried and ground up. So you're actually getting sort of prepared botanicals that were turned into these little, this little powder stuff. So that's a little plus one there. There's a little quality control factor. That's good. Um, the other thing, you know, that you need to be aware of, and then Johnny will be the first to tell you this, um, it, it, it doesn't really differ all that much from, you know, what we're producing in terms of uh, materials and parts of the water when we use botanicals in our aquariums, with the notable exceptions that we're not, you know, drinking our tank water like we would with tea. And we're not allowing, you know, the botanicals, uh, we're actually allowing the botanicals to impart these substances into the water over time at their own speed. That's the thing that I think is interesting. Like Johnny said, like it's a cold infusion. Yep. We're not forcing a dumping, you know, three liters of some kind of solution into our tank or drops of this. I mean, I don't know how they arrived at those dosages. What we did is we figured out X amount of material in a sachet seems to, to provide the color effect for our five. I think it was five gallons of water. I'm going by my memory right now, but it's five gallons. Right. So you get the functional aesthetic as well as the, the look. Now, I get that it's still not a perfect science. Um, and I understand that, you know, there's no way to test for every specific type of tannin that you're going to find in nature or in the water. No one's done those tests. There's hundreds of different tannins and so forth. And which are the ones that come from the specific materials found in the natural habitat? We don't know. So the best thing we can do is try to utilize the same materials that are found in the natural habitats and hope that we're getting some of them. And that's kind of the sort of the gist of the, the product is that it's a, it's a, improved upon version of those tea bags that people have been playing with for a while. Well, and I think, I think the part that you were hitting at the very end is it, this isn't, this isn't a shortcut. No. We've done the hard work for you. Yeah. Um, so this is your, your purchasing convenience yeah. um, and reliability um, and consistency. Um, you know, the benefit of actually having the real materials sourced from the, the location that they really come from is um is tremendous you know you are getting more than just what you would from one specific tea leaf um you know you're 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 getting the mixed. the true benefit right and it's mixed and it's it's um i don't want to say it's varied it's varying in its composition right. but um it's consistent from the batch to batch and so um that's i key. also like the yeah yeah, it, that's, that's a huge one. And so for me, it's, it's been difficult at times. Uh, some tanks, I do run a bit of carbon in them. Uh, and it's hard with my volume of water changes to keep up with the tint. I'm like, I have these beautiful botanicals. I, the leaves look exactly how I would ever hope they could look. Um, you know, the, the tank is maturing, you know, wonderfully. Uh, but the tank gets clear. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the fish don't benefit from that as much. Um, I don't particularly enjoy the aesthetic as much. I think it looks out of place when you have tons of leaves and the water is really clear. It, it looks a little odd to me. Yeah. And so now I can either tuck the sachet behind a branch or within the rocks uh, or simply float it on the top and then take it out in 24 or 48 hours. Um, or one of my favorites is, I just throw them in my top off bucket. Yeah, that's what I do. So make the water up. When I do a water change, I'm able to pour in the same yes. type of water that's coming out of the tank. And so this is adding a bit more consistency to it. We know that there's environmental changes and environmental factors. 
that will cause seasonal changes within the water chemistry. Um, but when you're not trying to do that, this is a really nice thing. Um, exactly. You know, so you can ramp it up, you can ramp it down, you can, um, you, you know, when, when there's, you can use more, um, you know, one sachet per five gallons tends to give a very uh, good look. I mean, it's, it's more to the dark side, but if you were to consider it centric, um, that's really appropriate. Yeah. You can, you can use one per 10 gallons if you're going for a lighter tint or you have a very dark background on your aquarium already, or maybe even if you don't do that many water changes. Um, now, if you're very aggressive and you're trying to keep the tank darker, you have a very bright background, you might wanna use two per five gallons. Um, and so it just depends on where you're at. And so right now I tend to in my three foot long by 12 inch by 12 inch tall um, you know, aquarium that I have set up with this, I sometimes use one per five gallons. I always use one in my top off water. Uh, and then when I'm feeling a little bit spicy, I add a couple extra in and, and get a darker look to it. Um, I really enjoy it. I think it makes it very simple um, and I have less to worry about. Um, so it's, yeah, it's and, and, to me, I'm really excited. Well, it, what, what makes me excited about it too is it, it hits a whole number of people like uh, the, the lady that asked the question about, you know, I like the look, but I don't like the stuff in my water. I get that. And there's breeders and other people that might need that. Now, the other thing too is when we talk about it influencing the water, the main thing that it's going to, that you're going to see is that it influences the color. Yes. There's the, the, the tannins and humic substances, which unfortunately, like, like even with our botanicals, we can't really test accurately for, um, people ask about pH. Now, sure. These sachets could impact the pH of the water, but only if you use reverse osmosis or deionized water, you know, in your aquariums to begin with, because with uh, any significant amount of carbonate hardness, the impact of pH is on pH is going to be minimal you know if not they're just right. going to give you color and the tannins and human substances which are great but it's not going to drive down the ph but don't fool yourself you still need to test for the and, and there's like everything we said I, i'm not, i one of the things i'm proudest of is we're not going to give you superlatives and marketing hyperbole and just leave it at that you need to test you need to test when you use botanicals you need to test when you use this stuff although this is a really carefully formulated you know well thought out product to you know consider compared to just you know dumb old tea bags it's not a miracle. It's not, it's not snake oil either, it, but it's not a miracle. It just isn't. It's not going to guarantee that your wild discus are going to spawn the next day on command. It's not going to cure fungal diseases. It, what it will do is it'll help you achieve the color effects that you're looking for. It'll offer most of the, if not all of the same potential health benefits to your aquatic animals that our botanicals do uh, when they're used in their natural form, i.e. just thrown in. Of course, even these benefits aren't still completely understood. They're not 100% predictable or even well-defined, and we just can't guarantee it. Nonetheless, I think this is a great form factor that a lot of people are going to really, really love and get a lot of interesting use out of. And it works when you think about it down the line, when you see some of the other things we're going to come up with, and we're not going to talk about this today, but it'll work as part of a system um, that we're doing. And there's so many unique applications for this product. That's what I think I'm most excited about, Johnny, is that people experiment, you know, people that are keeping fish tanks, people that are breeding certain species or plants at aquariums or or whatever are able to do different things with it than they would otherwise do with just botanicals i think that's exciting to me it opens it up 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of uh, exciting opportunities for unique applications and, um, you know, whether you're using it in your top off water, whether you're soaking it directly into the aquarium, whether you're putting it in your filter or filter compartment all in one, um, there, there's a lot of different ways that allow you to use this. And, um, you know, if nobody's really observing my aquarium, I, I sometimes will just throw them in and then pull them out. Um, and so it, it's, it's quicker, it's simpler, but it's definitely not the easy way. Somebody has had to painstakingly <laughs> grind and um, collect and uh, and process and, um, and experiments yeah. and, um, you know, and package, et cetera, yeah. and all the way down the line until you have this. And so, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a labor of love and, and we really want to make sure that people are able to enjoy their aquarium more fully and, um, you know, it's a cost saver too. You don't have to buy as many botanicals per se because they don't break down as fast. And um, these are in a format. You no, know, you This this is the benefit of it, and so it's another way. Um, to tint. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely my favorite way to tint. You suck, Johnny. Um, I mean, when you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it is a great way to tint. Yeah. It's 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 wonderful, wonderful yeah. product. So we're really excited about shade. Yeah. Um, that will be available very soon. Yeah. We are just waiting for the finalized bits and pieces of the packaging yeah. so that we can get these things up and available to you. Um, and we'll have more to say about like you know maybe specific applications. Uh, we'll we'll share some tanks that have been done that way and some ideas. And um, we'll, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys do with it. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a really cool that, one. Yeah, um, that's our an, end of our questions and answers and our sexy infomercial for the day on this one. Um, I think it's getting about time to wrap this one up because it's getting a little long for some people. I realize, but uh, people love the long ones though, which is kind of fun. We get a lot of emails. People like it when we go on and on, which is great. I'm glad because we hey, like to talk. That's, yeah. that's what he's yeah. and we <laughs> and we love. I, I just caught that. And we love to uh, answer your questions. So, again, uh, you want to hit us up with questions, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, um, tannanaquatics at gmail.com. You can email me, uh, and we'll use them on the show. And, and, and uh, we'd love to, uh, to answer any specifics that you have, or even if they're philosophical questions, you know we're not afraid of those either. So, um, Johnny, you have any final parting shots for anybody today? Um, oh, take care of yourself. Um, be, be good to yourself, reward yourself, um, you know, do, do the things that you love and, and continue to be passionate about them. And, um, you know, we're, we're here to support you on any of those things, whether it's uh, simply answering a question or uh, trying to, um, you know, make, uh, make some of these aquarium dreams of yours or whatever they're going to be a, a reality. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. A, that's great words. And we're just so excited about things that are going to be coming up over the next few months that we've, we've talked about ideas that we're working on for a long time and we're finally bringing some of those to life and it's, it's really exciting and, and, and we like the fact that so many of you have come along for the ride and, and, and given us a lot of feedback and support and um, just the, the lot of love we're getting on social media is really, really nice to see and uh, we're going to keep coming up with things that inspire you in many different ways and, and uh, just, it's an exciting time and as Johnny said, take care of yourself, you know, hug your loved ones, uh, be safe out there with all this COVID-19 uh, outbreak. It's been, been tough on a lot of people, but we've really enjoyed the support we've gotten. It's amazing. And we're glad that we're giving you a little, little, little bit of happiness and a kind of a, you know, 
turbid world right now. So um, we really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for being part of our world. And uh, until next time, as I like to say here, stay wet. And we'll look forward to seeing you <laughs> on the next installment.